0: Thank you. I have to be, have to be a little bit careful. Let me. I, I'll just say this at the beginning because I probably won't be able to say it at the at the end. We, we in our journey of life, uh, those of you who don't know, prior to coming here, we we were sitting in Hillsong, uh, great great church great music great ministry uh, always top class right but we we missed something and and god just was speaking to us we were very settled in that sense but we were unsettled in our spirit and and so we, we god what what are you asking us to do and so we jumped on the internet and found west side right and and it just was like a spark to us and so we came uh, for one of those Sunday secret visits that people do to just check out the church, right? I, I'm sure none of you have ever done that, but we did, right? And so we we, we rocked up and had a look and, and I'm telling you, we walked in the door and it was being like home. There was such a life of vibrancy in the church. Uh, and so we looked and we, we went back, and it, it was probably a year, maybe nearly a year before we finally settled on making the move and, and making Westside home. And we know, because being in pastoral life, we know how scary it can be to pastors in a church, right? When, when pastors rock up and say, Oh, we want to join your church. Yeah, well, what for? <laughs> you know, kind of stuff. But we, we came. No, it was only a matter of a few weeks into the. Making us home, right? When and I don't know if many of, if any of you guys have ever done this, but I believe you should, right? In recognizing the the anointing and, and the grace and the love that is on our pastors, right? Uh, I, I went to Pastor Louis and said that I, as a Christian man, I gave him permission. To speak into my life as my pastor, right? to guide me, to to check me, to give me a slap in the ear if needed, right? But to be able to, to speak, so as and and as as my pastors, right? they have been remarkable. Right? Uh, I've watched the journey of Westside uh, as as it's gone. Uh, the, the change that's happened in Westside in a short three years, right? the transition that's happened in that three years is such a beautiful thing uh, to a church. And, and it's a credit to both of you. I, I thank you f- for your patience and your tolerance and your love and your grace and your friendship. And, and it's a treasure to our heart, right? uh, And I, with all sincerity. For the leadership team, again, the same. For those that serve in the house, it's marvellous. That said, it's Testimony Week, uh, and, and it was from rebel to man of God, right? Um, it's a very short testimony. Uh, when I met God and when God met me, I've never let him down. Uh, I've never uh, never had any issues. I've just been faithful from day one. I've read my Bible every day, right? And I still have a problem with lying, right? Uh, I was, I was saved, or I said the sinner's prayer in 1967. Can I get the big ones done, please? Or take my glasses off, no, I can't see you, right? Oh, the, yeah, so I was saved as a 13-year-old on a street corner in Taylor Street, right, by a brethren man doing flannel graph. Most of you won't even know what a flannel graph is, but it's where you stuck little, Little bits of fannel on a board, and and they stuck there as Jesus did the sheep in the lake, and the etc. And I said this little sinner's prayer on that street corner one Sunday morning. Colin Gale was the man who led me in, in that first instance, and from that moment, right, it, it was brethren, and and I became a a brethren Christian. Right, the uh, Saturday night brethren youth gathered together in the hall, and we read and studied the word of God. I then found out there was a th- other group called the Assemblies of God. Now, their youth went bowling. <laughs> I became Assemblies of God. <laughs> so I joined their group. And then I found I, a, a bit of a dilemma, right, because uh, we're all Christian, but Christians that don't talk to one another. Which was a bit of a dilemma, and young people growing up understand that that God's got His hand in all of that, and He brings it all uh, out in the open eventually to so just work your way through it. So, in starting off with my testimony, right, so saved, uh, saved as a 13-year-old, right, joined the Assemblies of God, and and grew up in the church. Right? Now, growing up in the church, obviously, like any young person in the church, right. Uh, there, there, were, there were good times and there were maybe not, not so good times. Now, our church at that time was a tin shed. Right? And I don't know if you have ever run a stick down the side of a tin fence. You know, the brrrr. Anyway, so as a young person, during our praise and worship time, right, during our praise and worship time, back, way back then, the Holy Ghost movement, and it used to come in waves. And so there'd be this huge, big rise of crescendo as people were worshipping and then there'd be this silent period. And in that silent period it's when someone would usually bring an encouraging word from God. Right? And so right at that time, right, I'd be outside with my stick, and right when that would happen, right, and the silent time would happen, right, I would run down the side of the church with a stick. Like that. Well, let me tell you, some of the words that were said were not necessarily godly words. And some of the, oh, God's were not necessarily worship-focused, And then someone would come out and try and catch me, and I'd do a runner. At night, on the night service, because back then as a Christian, if you didn't go to church twice on a Sunday, you were a sinner, Um, At night, it would be the same thing. No, everybody knows that when you pray, you pray with your eyes closed, right? And so when they were praying with their eyes closed, I used to pinch the fuse, right? And so when they'd open their eyes... The, the whole place is in total darkness, right? Now, you don't have to worry about electrical uh, equipment or anything like that because it was only an old organ that you used to have to pedal to make it work, right? But I kind of started like that, got worse and got worse and got worse until one day the pastor and I had an altercation at the church door. And I was saying to him, you know, you're just a gutless wonder. you Christians. You're all just, you know, you, you pretend, right, but you're not really real, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and he thumped me. He was standing there. No, he, he was a pastor who was a tire fitter during the day and pastored uh, at night. And so he was standing there and I, and he just went, I went, it was the best thing he could have ever done. Best thing he could have ever done. It, and not that I'm recommending, <laughs> not that I was recommending. That, that, to me, right, meant that Christians were still men, because I had an issue. Uh, everywhere else I was surrounded by men, men, and, and Christians with their love and their grace and their gentleness, right? But they are men, nonetheless. Let me move on. Right? So I was, I was there for a while, it, then... I was baptised in water in 1972. For those of you who know Royal Rangers, I was lieutenant commander in the Royal Rangers. I was involved in the church. And from very early in my Christianity, I knew that the favour of God was on me. Always has been, even when I've distanced myself from God. The favour of God God has always chased me and it's always been upon me. Uh, And I freely confess that to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as being my situation in life. So in, not, in, in 72, I was baptized. And then the difficult thing is, and I speak to young people or those in upcoming leadership coming through a church. As you come through the church and you start to see the leadership in the church, the dynamics of the church, what makes it work in the background, right? uh, I became critical in my spirit. So I saw the faults in everybody, but I didn't see any in me. I'm sure some of you may, may just you know go, oh yeah, I've met blokes like you, right? But I saw the faults in everybody, but none in me. And and I I became a hypocritical Christian. And so I began to to just distance myself from, you know, like people would people would say one thing and do another, right? And I held them as judgment because. In in me growing up in church, your your act of Christianity was how you came to church. So if you wore a tie and a suit, you were a good Christian. If you wore jeans and a t-shirt, you were a sinner needing to be saved. And it had nothing to do with who you were as a person within your spirit. And so I began to just run away from God. I had a calling on my life, I, I tell you, without a doubt. We sang a song here, the faithfulness of God, and God came running after me, and, and, and he certainly did. But I ran and I ran, and my life began to unravel. Now, in saying that, it unraveled. Just after that time, I, I met my beautiful wife, Karen, uh, and we courted. It. It took me nearly eight months to get her to even go out with me. And I'll tell you, my character... Uh, I wanted. I chased her for that long because I'd never had any any issues with getting a girlfriend, right? I chased her for that long only so, as soon as she got to like me, I was going to dump her, right? For making me, for making me chase her for so long, right? That was my that was my attitude, right? Uh, and praise praise God, He saved me from that stupid mistake, right? And so we began the journey. We got married, right? It was great. Two years after we were married, we were married in 1975, right? Right about 1977, we moved to Western Australia. First time away from friends, family. First time for me away from my, my church friends, right? That I spoke to, just didn't go to church, right? Um, now, when we moved away, right? the, 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 the character failings in my life really started to show. You know, if, if God's on your case then God began to reveal the faults that were in Andrew. Don't worry about the faults in anyone else, mate. Deal with yourself. And and, and he began to deal with me harshly on those faults. And, and the more pressure I felt, the further I ran. And so we were in a situation, and, and so I was in a situation, and Karen is completely innocent in any of this, where I just started to unravel. I became a drunk drunk. Uh, would uh, I was never a gambler, but I had all my friends, my workmates were all gamblers. We were all associated, and we just uh, kind of fell apart. Karen was distressed. She, she couldn't put up with this. Who was this bloke that she'd married? None of this had ever been seen before. Uh, and I began to change. The, the The option I had was stay home and be a husband, right, or go out and play with your mates. And I chose to go out and play with my mates uh, to my wife's distress. Um, that, all, that all came to a head one night when we had a group of drillers in from the bush uh, and we were up in a place called Hay Street, which is where, the, where you go to buy a girl. It's, the, it's where the prostitutes are in Kalgoorlie. And we were up there and, and I won't mention his name because this is being recorded. But we were there, we got in a big fight and a gun was pulled and discharged, uh, and uh, he was arrested. Uh, we, 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 I wasn't arrested. I got, got home, told the story, um, and then the following day, I was in my work ute heading towards Norseman, which is down back towards the, the coast. As I'm driving down the road, God spoke to me as clear as any one of you would speak to me and said, you need to get home. You need to get home. It's over. And so I spun that car around, drove home, crying my eyes out because my spirit was finally talking to the stupidity of my head. And I got back, and there is my wife on the street corner trying to get some money to get on the bus to leave, gone, forever, so there on that street corner, we cried our eyes out. I begged for forgiveness. And within a week, we were gone from that area. We packed up, just, just quit, I left, moved to Adelaide. And, and living in Adelaide was the journey of redemption where I had to regain her trust, regain her. I don't think I ever had to regain her love but I'll tell you if everyone if everyone was ever violated as a wife in the way I treated her with the disrespect of a husband right then Karen's the girl now having said that may I say that in all our life right she has always been faithful always supportive right uh, well apart from when I get yelled at right? but but always supportive right and and we were in Adelaide and I had a big job to do to restore my marriage. And I'm telling you, had I not gone back, had God not spoken to me in that instant, right, and Karen had been on that bus, my attitude was so bad that I would have gone, well, stop her. Sorry if that is offending you, but I would have said, too bad, right? And my life uh, would not be as, as, it, as it is, right? I can tell you that. But we moved to Adelaide, and there we sat in Adelaide and again, and we did repairs. Let me, let me tell you this. I'm sure you know that the story of the potter and the clay, right? and when clay, or when, when clay vessels are made right? and fired, some of them have cracks in them, right? And what they used to do is they used to put wax in the crack. Right? And so they'd put wax in the crack, then paint the vessel and sell it right? with the floor In it, right? Right. No. Those that weren't, those that didn't have wax in them had a little stamp underneath, and the little stamp said sincere. That was the word that was stamped on it, sincere. It's where we get our word sincere from. It means without wax. And so when someone was going to buy it, they'd have a look and it's stamped it's without wax. That's fine. I could put water in it, I could put heat in it, right? And the wax wouldn't melt and drop away. Well, with the the flaw in my life was wide enough to drive a bus through. You know, the character flaw. No, no one else. There's no one to blame. No one did it. No one, no one influenced, right? The character in my life was so pathetic right, that God was revealing how bad, how bad I really was. So we moved to Adelaide and in, in Adelaide, Karen became pregnant, and we were then moved back to Wyler, which is it's home. Uh, we weren't home very long when Karen got saved. Karen could tell you a whole pile of stories about Pentecostal churches, but anyway, we moved back, Karen got saved. Uh, from, from that salvation, I, I can testify that she has been faithful, she's been my rock, my, my steady point of focus through our whole married life because he's just been faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ in every, every corner, every turn, every situation that's come our way, right? And has held me in good balance, right? But we came back, and from there, right, I, I, they tried to get me back to church, and I couldn't go back to church because of all the stuff that I'd done, and there's no way God would accept me, uh, and I didn't want to go, right? But eventually, eventually, a son was born, and when a son was born, I had this amazing interaction with God, and God broke that bondage in my life, and, and well, went back to church, and, and again, everything just went woof from there. I was back to where I was meant to be all the time, right? under, under the anointing of God and the hand of God, a useful tool for his purpose, and, and away we went. And so, it was great. It wasn't long. We, I, I was a youth leader, uh, involved in the church, we, we, it, it was fantastic. We built friendships for life. Now, is that it over? No. But let me tell you, as a as a f- on fire for God Christian, stuff still happens. We were on. Uh, I wanted to go to Bible college. It, it was a. Uh, uh, I, I guess it was a winter school well summer school, right? and I wanted to go. And it was a great expense to go, and and God met our need to allow us to go. So on the journey, Saturday morning, 16th of July, uh, I wrote the date down, January the 16th, 1982, seven o'clock in the morning, driving down the road in Kyabrum in Victoria, and bang, a lady came out of a side street. We had a head-on collision, and she was killed. Uh, my passenger, Don, wasn't wearing the seatbelt, went through the windscreen, out the car, into a culvert drain, and, and I got out the car. He wakes up, I have no memory of this, this is just, but he wakes up. Uh, I had shut his head because his whole head had just lifted off his skull, right? all, like, been scalped, right? And so I am holding his head out of the water, having shut his, put his hair back in place, Right? and praying in tongues. He wakes up to that. Right? He's, got, he's got a broken back, broken arm. Right? Uh, he just, he's, he's in a really, really bad way. The ambulance finally comes and takes us. Uh, as soon as the ambulance arrived and we were able to lift him out of the culvert, the water culvert, uh, my knee, I just collapsed because my knee went through the, uh, through the, wind, uh, the steering wheel had just gone up through the steering wheel, smashed the steering wheel on the impact, right? And yet I was able to move until he was in the ambulance, and then I collapsed, right? And they got us to uh, the, uh, the hospital. They got us to the Cairo Hospital, then moved us to Shepparton, and, and all we kept saying was, you need to call the pastor. You need to call the pastor because we knew the pastor at Shepparton, right, who was Michael Rafferty, uh, and we wanted him to come and pray for us. Because if he didn't pray for us, we thought we were going to die. There's the power of pastors, right? right? And, and so there, there was that. No. I had a huge question of why. God, why, do you, why, did, why did you make a way, right, give provision, and then this unfold, and I was gutted. This lady's 28 years old. She's a married, married, young married woman right, with a baby on her breast. Right? Off to work on a Saturday morning and gone. And God, why didn't I go? I would have gone to heaven. I don't know where she went. Right? Terrible, terrible stuff. Anyway, some of you have heard the statement, and the peace of God will come upon you that, goes, that surpasses understanding. I am sitting outside the car, the in Church. I, I am so distressed in my spirit. I'm sitting up in a big electrical box, and I'm going, why? Why? For God's sake, why did you let this happen? And God said to me, Andrew, you don't need to know why. You just need to know me. And the peace of God came upon me, and it left me like that. It was no longer... I I'd no longer... I had no question to answer because I had the answer. And that peace of God, I, I, so many times in our pastoral life, right, that peace of God is just there. It doesn't come and leave. It rests upon you. And that peace lets you, let me tell you, if you can get a touch of that peace of God in your life, right, then, then anything that comes your way won't perturb you because it's not about you, it's about God. And he gave me that peace. i got to be quick. I'm running out of time. For, for those husbands, let me tell you, right? Here's, here's a Christian husband. I right? am having my quiet time, right? And we're meant to be praying together. You know, husband and wife pray together, da-da-da-da. I'm having my quiet time at night, right? I'm normally, I, I used to kneel in front of the wall, pray, pray in front of the wall and just pray. So I'm kneeling at night, I'm praying, right? And I open up my eyes and I see this white angelic figure beside me. I jumped a mile. All right. When my eyes came into focus, it's Karen. She's in her 90s and she's beside me uh, praying. Well, did you think I said, oh, that's fantastic. I got up and we had a huge fight. You invading my private time. What are you doing here? This is my, my time. Talk about pride. This is my time. But forget that she got out of bed to come in to pray and support her husband in our journey. No, she invaded my private time. Do you know, pride comes as quick as an arrow to your heart. Right? And we, we had a fight and had to deal with it. Do you imagine how, do you imagine how hard it is to apologise to your wife for praying for you? And the journey continues on. Let me let me press on. Right. The from that crash, God had to deal with me concerning tithing, right? Because when we got back, um, uh, back to, to South Australia, we I I didn't want to claim on their insurance. I thought the family had had enough. I didn't understand insurance insurances. Got to do with the people involved. It's just insurance. But anyway. So we were out of pocket a lot of money. Andrew's brilliant idea. Honey, we'll we'll stop tithing till we pay the cards off. Then we'll tithe again. That's a bit of a bad idea, sweetheart. No, 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 I know what I'm doing. That's what we're going to do. So we stopped tithing. Well, if you think we were in a bad way then, it just got worse. We went downhill even further till Karen... In the goodness of her heart, said, "Honey, we need to just start tithing." In a, in a story, uh, so we began tithing. It was even worse because we had less than what we would have had if we tithed. right? If you get that, so we began to tithe. We talk about the faithfulness of God as soon as we began to tithe. Yeah. Money came in. I got more overtime that wasn't there before, right? Uh, stuff stopped breaking down, right? uh, people people gave us stuff, right? and in a very short period of time, that which had become an insurmountable debt was cleared. And I put that down to the faithfulness of God. You've got to get it right. Put God first and he takes care of the rest. Right? So we move on. Uh, we... We grew up, we went to Bible college. That was. We finally got to Bible college. Right? We did Bible college. That was great. Right? We took a church. In 1996, uh, in 1996, I got sick. I was diagnosed with a brain tumour. Right? Uh, and I still have that brain tumour. It's. Uh, I, I, I take some tablets for it. It hasn't, 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 done, hasn't done much in my life. People, people, people hardly notice. Right? But I have I, I have a brain tumor. Now, when I when I got when I got it, I, I nearly died. It was pretty serious. The really interesting thing is half the church said, Pastor Andrew, we really we really you know, are encouraging our faith the way you're working through this, and the other half said, you know, you need to repent and repent your sins, and God will heal you. Right? And that was the, the sort of fluctuation of the church. But we journeyed we journeyed through it, and there was some miraculous stuff happened. Right? from that journey. Now, one of the things is, and, and I'm saying this to encourage you, right? there has to be somewhere in your life where your anchor holds. Jesus is the rock we stand on, and he is the anchor, right? So it's my anchor, but it has to hold fast to that rock. Right? So that rock is immovable, it's solid, I can count on it. And so what what we did is we looked we looked at what had God said in our life that we hadn't asked for. Now, all of you would know there are times you ask God for this, you ask God for that, we all do it. But there are times where God, you're sitting in church, there's a message, and God drops something into your heart, right? That the out of the blue. And they, they are the, the treasures. So we went back and we began to look back in our life at promises God had given us, not yet received. And that's where my anchor was fixed. My anchor was fixed on the promises that God gave me, but not yet received, that I hadn't asked for. And so the storm of everything going on, you know, and I'll tell you, it was pretty serious. Right? For all of that storm, that's what held me fast. The word of God, the promise of God, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Right, My anchor held firm, and we bounced around in that little boat, for all it's worth, but never once was frightened of the storm that surrounded us because our anchor was held firm, Our anchor was held firm. I still live with that, right? And I change it. It still lives with me because my confession of faith was uh, I'm not going to learn to live with it. It has to learn to live with me. So we never changed our lifestyle. Sometimes I do things and I have to pay the price, but that's just because I'm a, a, a silly man and just do things. Right? Let, me, let me finish up with this, and I appreciate your time. Right? This is what we have seen in, in our faithfulness. We've seen the blind see, literally. Right? And we've seen deaf here. Right? We've seen limbs uh, straightened that were held in casts, and et cetera, et cetera and we've seen lives changed. Something most miraculous. One of my most amazing moments in my ministry life, uh, just if the music has come, I was visiting a man and, and I, in visiting him, I moved in and I moved into the kitchen area. So I was in the corner and he was at the doorway uh, out of the kitchen and, and we, were, we were talking and he pulled a knife. And he had this huge knife, and he was going to slice and dice me, right. and, and in that, in that moment, right, I, I, I certainly, for that instance, was fearful for my life. And then a righteous indignation rise up, just rose up within me. And I spoke to that man, and I bound him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 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 he put the knife down, and he went down on the floor. Right? And I ran. <laughs> I didn't stay. I didn't pray. I ran. Right? Well, but but that righteous indignation, I took command of that situation, and he was going to slice and dice me. There's no question. Right? Uh, and and I was able to I was able to escape. Right? Of all the ministry that we've been involved in and all the miraculous stuff we've seen. Right? The most glorious moment I have ever had where I felt I was like Jesus to another person was standing in a home of where two homosexuals had lived. Uh, one of them was had AIDS pretty bad. They were both addicts and they had just split. And the person remaining uh, was absolutely devastated. And if you know, you will hear people say that love is, you know, love is not a feeling; it's an act of your will. Love is a feeling. It's a precious feeling given of God. And I and I held that man, and I caressed him, and he cried and he cried and he cried because he lost love and he lost hope. He'd lost vision and and I just held him and and in holding him, he sobbed and sobbed and sobbed in my chest. Part of my mind is going, what on earth are you doing here? Standing, uh, hugging a homosexual male with full-blown AIDS and an addict. And the other part of me to this day says it was the most like Jesus moment in my life and I've seen some pretty dramatic uh, marvelous stuff here right? so let, let me wind it up Jesus said right, John 14:6I am the way the truth and the life no man can come unto the father but by me there is a way that Jesus would have you walk you can read it for yourself or you can come here every Sunday and hear it preached there is a way that Jesus would have you walk. And in the pre meeting this morning, uh, we were talked about being all cupcakes. We're all different, right? Uh, But we're all the same. But Jesus would have each and every one of you in here this morning, right? Have a way that he would have you walk. There is a truth. And he is the truth. And he is a truth for you. And as you hear it, Uh, nearly every Sunday those of you who struggle in your faith those who struggle in your life there is a truth from the Lord Jesus Christ that he will meet every need and every issue and every care and every loss and every sense of depression he will bring healing to your heart he will bring healing to your body he will bring healing to your soul if you apply his truth to your life and if you follow his way and apply his truth, then you have life indeed. And, uh, I thank you, church, for who you are. I thank you for those that I've journeyed with. I thank you for our pastors. And I want to say this as my final invitation. If you're here this morning and anything that I've shared, and I could have gone on and on, but if I've shared anything that triggered something in your life where you're, you, it wants to draw you closer to Jesus. I'll just be quick. Uh, I'm inviting you to, to make, make a stance and just stand up and say, Jesus, that's me. I want to be changed. Right? I, want, I, I don't want the anxiety. I don't want the strife. I don't want the confusion. I don't want a part of my life to be wasted as a rebel. Right? But I want to be a, a man and a woman, or a child of God. So if you have a need this morning that you've been battling with and never been able to get onto it, it, right, let me tell you, your rock is Jesus. Where you place the anchor is up to you. And I'm giving you the opportunity this morning to make sure that anchor is well placed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then maybe today, this morning, is the time for you to make a decision. Now, I can't see nothing through these glasses because it's just a huge glare for me. But God can see and God knows. And so if that's you this morning, right, if you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're just here playing church and today my words have encouraged you to step up and let God take control of your life, then today is the day. If that's you, just if I can have all eyes closed, right, I promise not to turn the lights on. All eyes closed. If that's you this morning, just put your hand up. Praise God, I see those hands. Thank you very much. Father, you saw the hands raised, an extension of a heart cry. And I pray this morning that for those who raised their hands, the Lord God, you would meet their needs. You would touch them, you would heal them, you would release them. And I pray, Father, give them the boldness to just come and have a chat to our pastoral team. Lord, they don't have to walk the journey alone. There is no shame in being truthful. And I pray, Lord God, your blessing upon this church. Father, it's been three years and a a wonderful three years for Karen and I. May we come back uh, at a later date and see a, a continuing, vibrant, existing church that's doing life So excitingly. And I think we're going to finish that.